0: Thank you so much, Bells. I could listen to them all day long. Just beautiful. Moses slams his letter of resignation on the desk and hands over the keys to the world's largest minivan. A fold-out map of the Promised Land falls on the ground, but he is happy to leave his vacation in the dust. These are not even my kids. Did I conceive them all? Did I give birth to them? Well, God is angry and Moses is livid. Meat. Where on earth am I going to get meat in the middle of the desert? It's one of those moments in Moses' pastoral, or maybe we should say parental, career when he has to pull over the car. He is spent, dried up, and running on fumes. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? In today's world, we have a word for this, overwhelmed. Moses is overwhelmed. He brings to God his own death wish and a few choice words. I cannot carry them all alone, God. They are too heavy for me. Too heavy, too heavy. Sometimes we have callings that are too heavy to carry. To pastor a church, to abolish slavery, to raise a kid, to raise a kid who is not your own. Any of us who have been called by Jesus to a life of faithfulness, no matter what kind of work we do, will find ourselves right here sometime in our life. With the best of intentions and all the faith in the world, we try hard to lift that calling, to mount that burden, but we buckle beneath the weight and we are stalled. It would be easy for us to walk away. I think there are some of you right here, right now, that could just drop the load and walk away, head to the shore. Some days it's tempting, isn't it? But we cannot. It's the most remarkable thing. The burden God gives us is, as the song says, too heavy to carry, but impossible to leave. I know a woman, she's a hero of mine, who is raising her grandson as her own son. She never really expected her life would take this kind of a turn to be the mom for so very long. And some days, it's too much. Some days, another journey through puberty is too heavy to even think about. But she could never leave. He is the light of her life. In the burden is the blessing that keeps her close to the heart of God. And Moses has never been this close to the heart of God. The whole journey out here has been a lesson in trust. All through the wilderness, God gifts Israel with manna. It is the bread of heaven, sweet like honey, and for 40 years it is always enough. Like God's faithfulness, the manna never, ever fails. But Israel trades in its trust of God for greed. Israel wants more than enough, judging insufficient to what God has deemed sufficient. So they cry out, making their demand, meat and lots of it. After 400 years of slavery, God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt. But it is much harder getting the Egypt out of the Israelites than getting the Israelites out of Egypt. Despite the memories of slavery and the miracles of deliverance, the Israelites want to go back to Egypt. So the people of Israel began to complain. Oh, for some meat. We remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and garlic and onions and leeks we wanted but now our appetites are gone. And day after day after day, we have nothing to eat but this manna. The Israelites are complaining. Instead of manna, they want to eat meat. Well, as a hardcore carnivore, I can understand. And if you haven't eaten at an all-you-could-eat Brazilian steakhouse, you really aren't ready to die yet. (laughs) But this is selective memory. The Israelites longingly remember the free fish they ate in Egypt and forgot that little tiny fact that the food was free because they weren't. The Israelites just weren't slaves. They were victims of genocide. Genocide, yet they missed meat on the menu. And isn't it a little ironic that the Israelites were complaining about one miracle while asking for another one? Their capacity for complaining was simply astounding and we scoff at those Israelites for grumbling about a meal of manna that was miraculously delivered to their doorstep every day, but aren't we guilty sometimes of doing the same thing? There are miracles all around us, yet it is so easy to find something to complain about in the midst of those miracles. The simple act of listening to this sermon involves millions of impulses firing across billions of synapses in your brain. And while you're hearing this, your heart goes on about its business circulating five quarts of blood through a hundred thousand miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries. And really, it's amazing you can even concentrate, given the fact that you are on a planet that is traveling 67,000 miles per hour in space, while at the same time spinning on its own little axis at 1,000 miles per hour. But we take those mana miracles, those miracles that happen day in and day out, for granted. And so Moses finds himself in a big tizzy, asking God where he can possibly get meat to feed all these people and throwing his hands up in the air because he cannot carry this any longer. But God never asks Moses to feed the people meat. While the calling might be a holy one, we often carry things that God never asks us to carry in the first place. Despite their insistent complaining, God responds patiently to their food tantrum with one of the most unfathomable promises in the scripture. He doesn't just promise a one-course meal of meat. God promises meat for a month, and Moses can hardly believe it. Here I am among 600,000 men, and you say I will give you meat to eat for a whole month? Well, would they have enough if all the flocks and the herds were slaughtered for them? Would, would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Moses is doing math in his head, and it doesn't add up. Not even close. He is trying to think of any conceivable way that God could fulfill his promise, and he can't think of a single one. He doesn't see how God can fulfill his impossible promise for a day let alone a month. Have you ever been there? You know that God wants you to take the job that pays less, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to step out and get more involved in church, but it doesn't add up. You know that God wants you to work on the marriage, go back to school, become a foster parent, but it doesn't add up. Now the scripture says that a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp, as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day the people went out and gathered quail, and no one gathered less than ten homers of quail. Now the Israelites were parked in the wilderness of Paran. That is a region about 50 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea and about 50 miles southwest of the Dead Sea. The significance of that location is this. Quail tend to live by the water and they do not fly long distances. So if it were not for this supernatural west wind, they would have never made it that far inland. So this is a meteorological miracle. But it wasn't just the miraculous west wind. It says the clouds burst and rained quail from the sky. Now based on the Hebrew system of measurement, a day's walk was approximately 15 miles in, in any direction. So if we do a little bit of fancy math this morning, we're talking about an area that was almost 700 square miles. Let's put that into perspective. The city of Cincinnati is about 80 square miles. Not only is that area nearly 10 times larger than Cincinnati, the quail were piled three feet deep. Can you imagine seeing that many birds fly into a camp? It was like a bird blizzard, Quail (laughs) Mageddon. right? The clouds of birds was so massive. It seemed like a solar eclipse. And I have a feeling for the rest of their lives, when the eyewitnesses who were there that day closed their eyes at night, they saw quail. Now, once the quail stopped falling, the Israelites started gathering. Let's go back to that fancy math again. Each Israelite gathered no less than ten homers. One homer equals ten bushels. Ten homers multiplied by 600,000 men equals six million homers. At a minimum. Now, Homer equated to about 200 liters, and assuming that the quail were your just average sized quail, it rains somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million quail. You heard that right. 105 million quail. You see, our God doesn't just provide for us in dramatic fashion, our God provides for us in dramatic proportion. Moses could have never anticipated the answer to that prayer. It was unpredictable and unprecedented. When it comes to God, there is a danger of setting dreams that are too small. Moses and Israel could only think of one thing, meat for dinner tonight. But God dreamed of a whole promised land filled with milk and honey. Now, before that quail storm appeared on Doppler radar, God asked Moses a question. It is more than a question. It is the question. Is there any limit to my power? Now, the obvious answer to that question is no. God is omnipotent, which means that by definition, there is nothing that God cannot do. But yet so many of us live and pray as if our problems are bigger than God. So let me remind you of this high-octane truth that should fuel your faith. God is infinitely bigger than your biggest problem or your biggest dream. And while we're on the topic, his grace is infinitely bigger than your biggest sin. Is there any limit to God's power? Have you answered that question? How big is your God? Is he big enough to heal your marriage or your child? Big enough to heal your broken heart? Is he bigger than a positive MRI or a negative evaluation? Is he big enough to get you through a pandemic? Is he bigger than your secret sin or your secret dream? You know, in times of crisis, a good counselor can help with get you bearing straight. And I can just hear that counseling session with Moses now. Moses, where did all this begin? Well, in a small corner on the desert, in a strip of holy ground, when God spoke of freedom and I said yes, I still remember how my lips were trembling. So you were scared? Oh, yes, I was. I tried to say no. I told God I was the wrong man for the job. It was a load I couldn't carry. So what made you change your mind? Well, God promised to go with me, and there was something about that burning bush at my feet. I looked, and I knew it was from God. It was unconsumed. It was inexhaustible. The bush never burned out. Moses may burn out. And you and I may burn out, but God will never, ever burn out. There is at the heart of God a fire as inexhaustible as the dream it carries. Relentless energy for the pursuit of justice, strength enough to move those mountains, and a deep wellspring of love for a broken world. In the flickering of that burning bush, Moses met the everlasting God that does not grow weary. And a thousand miles later, Moses is still learning the same lesson with Israel, with its manna, that our God is sufficient. So whatever load you carry, whatever burden you bear, rest assured that you are never alone. Even in a pandemic, God is here with you to share the load. So yoke yourself to God. Hide yourself in God. Rest your bones in God. Is there any load that Christ has not already carried? And is there any reason to try to carry it all by yourself? Now, sometimes even the help of God doesn't seem to relate to us humans. Sometimes you need a pair of shoulders you can actually brush up against on the street. You need the load shared and baked casseroles or someone to watch the kids or arms to cry in or people to march with. Well, God knows we need that too. Gather 70 of the elders, says, Moses, says God to Moses, bring them to the meeting tent, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, so that you will not have to bear the burden of these people all alone. It's God's answer to Moses' resignation wish. Seventy people to help him carry the load. Well, God gives us people to help share the load, too. It's called church. And sometimes we grumble and bicker in our pew, but we pull together in our church to share our lives and our goals, our prayers and our tears, our casseroles and our communion. Our loads are bigger than our lives, but so is our church. Because we are also surrounded by the great communion of saints, joined in our work by all the faithful who have come before us, Moses and Miriam, Paul and Silas, John, Wesley, and Mother Teresa, so many others. Together, across the ages and places, there are thousands of us marching towards that heavenly throne, shouldering together God's big dream for his world. Pray with me. Holy God, who has borne the weight of the world, strengthen us to share your work of love, justice, and mercy. Remind us often that we are yours. Renew us when we are tired. Reignite us when we burn out with the power of the everlasting God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.